Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. My name is Daisy Lahash. I'm from Kahnawake. And today we're here with Mike Scott to talk about a few different topics uh, surrounding both the, the community and advocacy work that uh, him and I both do separately. But I think it's a, a cool opportunity to gain a nice male perspective. He's experienced in a lot of different, different things. And I'm excited to, to see where this conversation goes today. So I wanted to ask you, where did it all, all start? very broad question yeah where did <laughs> where, where did where did you get uh like your foot in the door with community work and like connecting with your community and finding your community hmm. i think it started the moment i got sober right because nothing else could have started up until that point because i was kind of just stuck in the limbo phase of life where you party you get drunk you wake up you do it all over again and there's like no goal towards achieving any type of good thing in your life so once i got sober i started to look for more opportunities to be a part of something bigger than myself within my community which was basically just going to these different events right i would sit there and i would learn about different topics such as like domestic violence was one of them that was about a two-month program we sat there we kind of just talked about different situations that have happened in our lives we related to one another and at the end of it, the person who was facilitating decided that I was doing such a good job with, you know, just sharing my story. He said, I'd like to give you this opportunity to go to these high schools and uh, show this program to the youth about domestic violence, because I feel like your story is going to reach them. And once that opportunity happened, it led to another one and to another one. And the more you put out there, the more you get back, I feel. Right, and your heart has to be with it. I think for myself, it was uh, in our high school. We're like really lucky to have have a high school on the on the reserve and gain that cultural perspective of how to handle certain hardships in your life, such as grief and like the things they don't really, I guess, teach you in high school, like prepare you for, like uh, different emotional hardships and like family troubles and different things like that but um like we're able to obtain some like supports and resources in those areas at our high school and I think it really made a difference in in the, the way that I was brought up and the things that I would be able to see that's missing within the community and I, I felt like that was more like um like spaces where where youth could go to feel connected and feel um like feel a part of something, you know, greater than themselves, mm -hmm. like what you said. What kind, of, what kind of program was that at the high school? We don't really have a program for it. It's just kind of like certain, like different teachings throughout the year, like incorporated into our classes, maybe in a, like a social studies class, they would talk about how we would like unite as a, as a people and how we would care for each other and like our village systems and the, um, the roles and responsibilities of the men and women. So I try to instill those teachings mm -hmm. into us while we're 
in our developmental stages, but not everybody pays attention in school. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so like I was, um, I was real appreciative of those teachings because for a little while I did go to school off the reserve and and I felt like I missed, I was missing something, and I was really missing my my language, my culture, my my family, and my community over there. So when I got the chance to come back home and come back to school um, where I was originally going, I, I appreciated it more because I went a certain time without it. So when I was back in my environment, I really um, tried to do the best that I could with what I was dealing with at the time. It got hard though. I graduated high, uh, high school with with my dad uh, my dad away. And it was hard to to make it to that finish line. You know, I almost felt like, I don't know, like. Felt like giving up. Felt like giving up. Yeah, a little bit like, oh, he's not going to be here for this big accomplishment. Like, I should just wait and, mm -hmm. I don't know, for this accomplishment for when he gets back so that way he could be here for it. But, you know, I'm only hindering my own my own life and my own success by, like, holding myself back. So, I pushed through as hard as it was and and I made it to the to the finish line and it was awesome. And looking back now, it's like, oh, thank goodness I didn't give up, you <laughs> know. <laughs> Do you feel like a lot of the other youth within this community are kind of going through the same thing? Like they Yeah, I feel like some have given up and and it, it breaks my heart because I wish I could just like hold their hand and say, come on, we're going to do it together. We're co like, come on, we're, we're all graduating together. Mm -hmm. We're all making it to the finish line. We're all going to walk across that stage and receive our diploma in our hand. And I feel like just obtaining a high school diploma for people in our community is like a, like a hard, but one of the biggest accomplishments that, that we can do because it, it, it takes a lot to, to do that, to yeah. make it to the finish line of that. There's a lot of, indigenous youth who haven't been graduating especially where i come from in saskatchewan we had uh at one point you were more likely to go to jail than you were to graduate right and it's it's like that for a lot of indigenous nations across canada across turtle island and when you speak about you know having this space and this this opportunity to learn about your ceremonies and your your people and the histories and the roles of man and woman and how that all plays a part I never had that opportunity, right? Because as a kid, like a lot of the people I grew up with, we were placed in the foster care, right? So by the time I was 10 years old, I was in like over 30 foster homes across Saskatchewan. So if you can imagine, that's, that's 30 different schools, right? And that's me coming back to my family. That's another 10 schools right there. So I've been moved around. I've been displaced a lot in my youth and I never had the opportunity the first time I ever learned about me as an indigenous person, as like the ceremony route was in jail. Yeah. When I was 12 years old, that was the first time I ever sat with the pipe ceremony, went in a sweat and yeah, I never, never had that opportunity. It's kind of crazy to say too, but I also never graduated. I've never actually graduated from anything except for the treatment center that I went to. I didn't graduate kindergarten. I got locked up. When I was in grade seven, I got out and I was going into grade 10. So I never graduated from grade eight and I never graduated from grade 12. But here I am still getting my education, you know, because I feel like that's such an important thing for us to, to do is to learn how to function within this society that we're basically forced to be a part of. Because I do not see the European colonizers leaving this land anytime soon. And we're definitely not leaving. 
right? So I feel like we need to learn how to function in a good way that benefits us, right? And that education is going to help us maneuver a lot easier through the obstacles that they've placed in front of us as Native people. And yeah. It's like trying to learn how to walk in in two worlds. Yeah, it is. It's how do you do it, right? For us, I feel like that causes a lot of issues and it, it really messes up our societies in a way that I don't even know how to say this. A lot of the issues that we have today are because of that colonization. It stems from that. So what I want to ask you is, do you know much about the history of Ganawage or this territory like prior to colonization, prior to you know, people coming here from other parts of the world? How was the people here? as a society okay so we've been here for about like we've just crossed our our 300 year mark from this was our final settlement before they took the before they they secluded us to this spot specific and prior to that we we were coming from like albany area so like upstate new york uh we call it that was like um our original home and there we had like um, we had our longhouses, we had our clan system, we had our our governance system, our great law, and and our condolence, our chiefs. You know, we had our whole our whole system and way of of uh, operating as a as a confederacy. And there's a lot of history that I I don't know. I try to learn as much as I can. Uh, one thing that I just learned recently uh, doing a workshop. With, uh, with the Gunawage Collective Impact was um, time ago there was like an invitation for our, our whole governance system to be invited to overseas for like a conference or something. Uh, so all 50 chiefs boarded up on a, on a ship and they went to this conference overseas and we never seen them again. They were, they were kidnapped and, and their lives were made over there after that and we never had our, our, our governance back like that. And that really hit us hard because we're a whole, not just one nation, we're a bunch of nations, mm -hmm. a whole confederacy and our whole government system of how we operate and everything, it, they're all gone. So we, it took a, a long time to fill all of those roles back and, and to um, move forward in the best way that we could. But I don't know what it would have been like back then like that. I know that for like grief and loss and funerals and those those things um, we have like certain ceremonies that that are for the people that are that are still here on earth you know we haven't crossed over yet so the ceremonies are to help us to move forward in a good way and to clear our minds and to be able to like regain our our emotional well-being and to check in with them and be in touch with uh, how we feel and to process all of that and there's like ways of doing things, but then like, you know, there's so much like toxicity in our communities that like alcohol gets put in the mix, you know, people die. And then the first thing some people want to do is go and, and drink to, to relieve some of that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's hard. It's like, there's always two options in front of you of the, the higher path. And then like that low vibrational path that just seems like a, like an easier escape sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like it's hard to steer away from that um, when when it feels like like there's so much weight on you, you know, but you just got to keep pushing through if if that's not the path that you want for yourself. 
And I think some people would even say like easier said than done, mm-hmm. right? Because of the environment that they're in. I know for me personally, I've done that many times where I've lost people and I've went and grabbed either a drug. I put that in my body. I grab a bottle, put that into my body, right? Relieve that pain and stress for very, very small amount of time. And then the pain comes back and it's, it's even worse than it was before, right? Because you're dealing with the depression from the alcoholism, everything that comes with that. I don't even know how we got into this topic. <laughs> we were talking about the, the history. The history. Yeah. Oops, oops. <laughs> we switched over to alcoholism. No, but I, th- I think the community, the sense here, like everything that's happened here has happened in other parts of the country to other indigenous nations. And I would say actually even here more than any other parts of the country, right? Because when the colonizers came here, they came to this part of the coast first, right? And they started to work westwards. So your guys' as peoples were, were hit with a lot more and you guys have been dealing with it a lot longer than other other nations have. Yeah. Yeah, we have this uh historical historical wall that's built and that was like when when contact was first made and it was like wars and all of that. We start building a wall, but then when the wall was almost complete, they told us to to back down and stop the the building of it because if we completed that wall, it was more or less like like bring it on, we're ready. <laughs> So, mm. so they stopped the build of it and, in hopes to, to die down the, the wars that were happening back then. And at the time, you know, there was all the residential schools, they were taking all of the, the children away. And my, my grandparents, great grandparents so went there. And I only really have like my father's side of the family's history, like my mother's side, I, I don't really know. Besides her, um, her adoptive family's uh, family history that uh, a little bits of bits and pieces of information I've gathered over the years, but it's like a, a big piece that I feel like I'm I'm missing about who I am and my my identity as a, a indigenous person, a Ungwehuwe person. Um, and like you get like everything from your mom, your clan, your teachings, everything from your mother, you know, that's who, who raises you, who brings you up. So I feel like uh, because of the circumstances that uh, she was faced in her, her life being adopted and into a new, uh, adopted into another nation and like it did something there, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's like a, a trauma there from that, that I'm probably not really able to talk with her about it, honestly, because we try to and then it. Like we can only get so far, you know, before it gets too heavy. So it's just kind of like an unknown, unspoken and just carry on and move on and do the best you can with, with what you got and where you're going. But I would love to learn more about where my mom comes from. Uh, I know that she was born in Regina, Saskatchewan. Oh, wow. Eh? Yeah. That's pretty close. That's like Treaty 4 territory. Mm-hmm. But I think her actual community where she was from was Northwest Territories. But apparently they didn't have any hospitals close by, so they had to drive down to Regina for the nearest hospital. That's why she's born there. And I'm pretty sure that was like closed, closed info uh, adoption, you know, so I can't really like trace too far back into that. But mm-hmm. I'm super excited to visit this year and I feel like it'll be like a, a nice healing experience in some way to be like 
in the land of where my my stock came from yeah i think a lot of people deal with like identity crisis like identity issues trying to figure out who they are where they come from right if you don't understand that i think that's going to create a lot of issues for you for the rest of your life because you don't really even know where to start where to begin right i think a lot of our people are like that i could name i could go off i don't have enough fingers and toes to count all the people that are like that we all know at least one person who's struggling with who they are and until they figure out who they are as a person they're never gonna get to the destination that they want to be but it's a struggle right if you can't find answers to those questions especially if people don't want to talk about it and i think that's a huge problem that we all face is not willing to speak about these issues right just to say what's wrong like what happened to you who hurt you, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what happened within your childhood that makes you who you are today because a lot of our people are not what they should be not not in a negative way i don't want to like call people down and say you're not this or you're not that but like what happened to our people where where's our warriors today where's the people where's the system where's the laws where's the teachings and it's almost like uh, i feel like our people face shame when it comes down to reclaiming those cultural things like stepping back into let's say you were dancing when you were a child and then you went so many years without it well to step back into the powwow circle it's like it's scary you know to like reconnect yourself with with our ways if you've been going so far without it or if you've never gone your life with that and then you want to step into it and start learning it it could be like super intimidating and that's why i feel it's so important for like uh, community organizations to be creating these safe uh, safe spaces and encouraging our youth and our our adults and all all ages of life to be connected with with our community and who we are and try to I don't know, figure out how to unpack and unravel all of those mm -hmm. those like painful things that were inflicted on our people. What kind of programs are offered here? in Ganawage for the people in terms of like culture, ceremony, anything that can help keep them off the streets or, you know, from negative places and people. We do have, um, we have two, two main longhouses, two main longhouses where we go to uh, practice our, our ceremonies and share our songs and dances and all of that. So we're very fortunate to have those. We also have the, the three schools in the Gunawage Education Center. So there's the two elementary schools. Well, three. Well, yeah, Gritty Winordu and Indian Way. I don't think they're part of the KEC, though. I'm not sure. And then we also have our, our, our daycare where our babies can go and they can be like the teachings and cultural perspective, like incorporated into the curriculum at an early age. We have the high school on the reserve, <clears throat> which is awesome. Um, and I feel like that's a very, like, very important time in your life to be obtaining those knowledges because it's like, that's when you're at all the crossroads in your life and you're, when you're a teenager and in your high school, high school stage, like if you're going to be picking up alcohol or if you're going to be picking up like your, your rattle drum or mm -hmm. your, I mean, your rattle, your water drum and, and singing. We have the youth center. That's an after school program. We have the Gunawage Collective Impact. They do a bunch of different uh, different activities and workshops. 
naming all these, but I still feel like there could be more. <laughs> like there's something that like all of us aren't filling in some in some way. Like there's always gaps that need to be filled in one area or another. Yeah. And I feel like there's so much room and potential for for different projects and different youth to step into like leader roles to have projects like by youth for youth or projects by um like adults for adults and is there any projects right now for like that youth for youth type of thing there's a lot more for uh by youth for youth but we have like cutoff ages you know so then yeah. the people that are beyond that age it's like we don't want to cut anybody out but it's for like the like the funding and the reporting and the that yeah. stuff you know so it's not like we want to cut them out it's just like how it how it kind of goes sometimes and it's where there's more spaces that need to be filled by like older older generation but i feel like it's especially hard for people in their 30s and 40s mm-hmm. to like feel connected in their in in their community in certain ways like i know personally like my 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 dad doesn't really feel comfortable going to the longhouse. My whole life, I would ask him to come with me. Come with me to the longhouse. Come to the ceremony with me. No, I'll drop you off. I'll pick you up when you're finished, you know? And that's mm-hmm. just like, like, I'm not trying to call him out, but <laughs> it's like, I don't know if it's a shame that our, our men feel like if they haven't been going their whole life, mm-hmm. like the, that stepping back in, you know, like I know my dad used to go to the longhouse when he was, when he was a youth, when he was younger, but then you know, he had a whole series of life events that happened uh, in his life. And then for whatever reason, he felt like he couldn't go back or yeah. like he wasn't ready or like there in his mind to to come back to uh, to ceremony. And I try to encourage him to come with me. And he has actually come with me to a, to a few ceremonies in, in recent years. So I'm grateful for that. So like, it's like the the want to, to participate has come back. Yeah. It's like the actual going and, and showing up part that's, that's hard sometimes our ceremonies are powerful like they can literally change your life i'm not too familiar with the longhouse teachings or the the ceremonies of this area but back where i come from like we have some pretty powerful stuff that that we do yearly daily monthly weekly whatever it is whenever your spirit needs that and i feel like we need to start encouraging each other more because it seems like it's easier to find somebody on the weekend like hey let's go party let's go drink like you could pick up your phone and have 10 people like yeah i'm down let's go let's go party then you ask somebody hey let's go to the longhouse let's go to a ceremony and they're like no 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 it's a lot harder to find people that want to heal as opposed to hurt themselves type of thing right and oh yeah that thing you were saying about like there's that cutoff age it's like, oh, you reached 28, 30. Oh, nope, sorry, you can't be part of this anymore. It's like, well, I'm only this old. I still haven't got it figured out yet, you know? And I think, like, once people reach, like, the age of 30 plus, they say our life is, like, just beginning at that point, right? And depending on what kind of knowledge and, and stuff that you've learned throughout your life up until that point is going to determine the way that the rest of your life is going to play out. Right, because my dad's going on friggin', I don't know, like sixty something this year. And it's sad to say, like, my dad is still an addict. My dad still drinks. My dad still gets high. He's actually went above and beyond and started using like intravenous drugs, uh, crystal meth. Like my family is is really messed up back home. And I feel like it's a lack of culture. 
It's a lack of identity. It's a lack of ceremony. It's a lack of speaking up and speaking out about the issues that they've faced throughout their life, right? And the more people carry that stuff with them, it, it's just poison. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like, it took me a long time to realize that keeping everything inside was physically damaging to my spirit. So it would be cool to see a youth council here in Ganawage where it's led by youth, like creating those leadership roles, like you're saying, uh, where they have like space where they can create whatever they see fit for their community, for the young people. Like they want a new basketball court. They want new lacrosse equipment. They want whatever they need, right? Like they can work towards that goal. And at the same time, you're encouraging them by providing them with something for being a part of this, right? Like a, a reward system almost in a sense, because there is fun set in place. And I know that every community has fun set aside for their youth. But it's so hard to access it. Even <laughs> as a youth, I'm like, give us money for workshops. And they're like, you missed the deadline. <laughs> but I'm not even saying just for works. Like, like I'm saying reward these kids for participating throughout the year. Send them on a trip somewhere around the world. Let them get exposed to more than what they see right here. Because I'm telling all you people listening right now, there's more to the world than Ganawage and Montreal and Toronto. And however far you've been, like get to a different continent, see a different culture, explore and, and just learn and grow and see like, see the world. Bring that knowledge back to your people. Supermarché Idia, your one-stop grocery store for your everyday needs. Offering regular groceries as well as Afro-Caribbean and international food products. Looking to save money? Then Supermarché Idia is the right place for you. Located at 72 Boulevard Saint-Jean-Baptiste in Chattergay, behind the A&W. Open seven days a week. For more information, check out their website at idiasupermarket.com. That's I-D-I-A supermarket.com. So some programming that we do have for our youth and... All, all ages of life are um, really not as inclusive as I think they should be. I think we should bring together different ages because we have different things to learn from, from all ages, you know, no matter how many years you've, you've lived, maybe you, you're lacking in some areas of knowledge and maybe you're, you have an incline in other areas because you've ob obtained those, those teachings. But if you're, 30 years old and you never obtained the teachings uh, from when you were a youth, you're still that 30 year old that never obtained those teachings. And I think it's super unfair to have a cutoff age for programming. I think it should be inclusive and encouraged to, to like maybe blend the, the ages. Like if you see this workshop posted and you're interested, I think you should definitely be able to attend with, with no restriction, I'd like to participation or anything like that. So we do have a few in Ganawage that uh, offer workshops and try to be as inclusive as possible. And that's with uh, the Ganawage Collective Impact. We have a few different action teams with them. One is like in language and culture. So they specialize in all things language and culture. They're working on developing uh, programming and, and they have uh, like self-guided language learning groups. So it's all like voluntary. If you want to learn uh, the language with other community members, you can all learn together and like encourage each other to learn. We do have some cultural workshops, but I feel like it's, it's not a lot. Like it's not as like 
If you want to be immersed in your teachings, like where do you go? You can't just go to the longhouse. Like, oh, what are you teaching today? Mm-hmm. And I wish there was something like that where you could just pop in after school and be a part and just of something. Be a part that, of something yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, there is places like the youth center, like after school program where you could go and go shoot ball, like go in the, the art room and stuff like that. But to actually like be connected in in a way that, uh, like fulfills all you guys and brings you guys like something, you know, one I thing like we're lacking in that area. One thing I think that every community should have. I don't know if there's one here or not, and this might be a touchy subject for some people, but I feel like every community should have some sort of uh, like safe house type of thing because there is a lot of places that shut down at some point. Like the youth center might be only open until 7 p.m. on this day, 9 p.m. on this day. What happens to these kids that are going through something so terrible at home that they don't want to be there? Mm-hmm. Like they're being hurt in some form or another or they're just not safe in any way shape or form is there a place within this community that those youth can go to if they need help or are they kind of just left to you know deal with that on their own type of thing there's really no like resources where to go if this happens and we're not taught that around here like where to go what to do it's just kind of like we're left to figure it out like oh i think my auntie my my auntie might still be up at this hour or mm. my cousin just lives down the road i'll go check in there it's kind of like you're gonna go that route or you're gonna call the on-call worker at social services and then open that whole can of worms you know yeah. and it's like nobody wants to do that that's like the hardest thing to do especially within your family you're kind of feeling like you're you're letting everybody down mm-hmm. but then the longer that you you stick around and you're i don't know if you're dealing with stuff that you're not supposed to be dealing with as like as a child mm-hmm. like the longer you stick around and deal with that stuff you're only letting yourself down you're getting hurt more i feel like every every kid within every community deserves to feel safe to be safe right so i think maybe that would be something to look towards too as a community to have that space opened up right and it's not just where you drop in and, you know, like take advantage of that place or those people helping you. It's more helping you get to where you need to be, where you are healthy, you are happy, you are safe. Right. Because I guarantee you right now within your community, every week there's at least one person who is not safe where they are. And it could be because they party there every night, they party there every weekend, they drink there constantly. Right. And that environment can open the door for a lot of, negative people to come in and and hurt them in different ways. I don't know if you ever watched the movie Once Were Warriors, but that movie really reminds me of my childhood. Yeah, they had us watch that in high school and I remember we were all we we're all like shocked watching it and emotional. It was a heavy movie to watch. And that stuff happens as much as we don't like to think that it does, but you know, it's out there not just this community, other parts of the country as well. So what I'd like to see for your community is just even just somebody for these these young people to talk to if that does happen to them in a sense, right? And I guess it's all about organization and finding the funds because it's all about money, it seems like. Yeah. But I Luckily, feel like it, it can be done and it should be done. Yeah. So for Luckily, my, we do have uh, people like we can go to to talk to about that and like specialists within the community that, that handle those those things. But 
like like it should be easy access mm -hmm. like also discreet easy too. access yeah. a lot of people don't like to say what's wrong especially within native communities because once a rumor starts within the community it's like boom all of a sudden everybody's got an opinion of what happened or what's what's gonna happen next right like i'm pretty sure all of us sitting in this room have heard a rumor about us at some point and you're like yeah and one one scenario i felt really like like something that happened i just felt like it was really unfair was like if you if you speak on certain things like with at the at the school or whatever and it's a uh, um mandated like they have to report you know so they report to mm -hmm. the the social services and then the social services will get involved and then at the time i wasn't living with my with i wasn't living at home well with my family i was living in a foster home so i had like no contact with my with my dad at the time and Social services told me, okay, well, because we know about this, we're giving you the option that either you tell your dad or we're telling your dad because he has to know. And I'm like, no, I don't want him to know. That's going to hinder my healing process and it's going to mess things up for me because I could already see that he was going to like put the situation on blast back home. And oh, now I remember I was away. I was in a group home at the time. And then I spoke on something that was, I guess, along the lines of why I was in the group home, why was I acting out in the way that I was, and it was because I was hurt in certain ways, and I had finally confided in someone about that, and they had to report, and then they had to get back get back to my dad, and I really didn't want it to, and I feel like I was failed in, in that area. I wasn't protected. Like, my story wasn't protected. I wasn't protected as, like, a, I don't want to say the, the word victim, but, you know, like, ultimately, that's what I was in that situation, and... I feel like uh, if if it's still run like that, it should definitely be changed because mm -hmm. I feel like it still affects me to this day rather than in the, in a different way, in a more intense way than if I didn't have to tell my dad about it. And I could have just proceeded in my, my healing in the way that I wanted to with the people that I like truly felt supported by with with that specific situation. And then you could have had the option at some point to tell your dad when you were ready to tell him yeah. type of thing, right? Yeah. And like, mind you, we weren't speaking for like six months. So this was the first time I'm seeing my dad in six months. And, oh, I got to tell you this thing because they're making me tell you, not because I want to. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, I don't know, all around unpleasant experience. So that needs to change the discretion part of it, right? Like, I understand if there is an emergency situation where something needs to happen right at that moment where... It's like life or death or, mm -hmm. or some kind of, you know, situation. Like it needs to be handled and dealt with discreetly in a sense. So, cause that will, that will hinder people from coming to this program to ask for help. Right. A lot of people, if they find out, oh, no, they made that person do this. So people aren't going to want to come and share what's wrong with them if they know that will happen. So those are a couple of things I could think that your community could use. Yeah, another thing that we do have, and I'm grateful my friend wrote this down, we do have the uh, Oherogu program, and that is something that's very important to our to our youth and our aunties and uncles across uh, across the Confederacy. Right, it's all around. <laughs> we all should have that if we don't. How do you say that? Oherogu. Oherogu. Yeah, and it's the the rite of passage when when the young young men and women are entering their their adolescent and adult years mm -hmm. and it's like the transitional from from youth to young adult and 
how your body changes and your roles and responsibilities also change and and increase and it kind of just provides you with all of the teachings to be able to handle these like hard situations in in the best way possible where it doesn't keep you like keep you at a low spot mm-hmm. you know you were given the, the tools to okay i'm in a low spot i can i can acknowledge that but i'm not going to mm-hmm. be in this low spot forever cuz it'll pass you know and it just like it it helps a lot uh i didn't actually go through the ohirogu program i wish i did but <laughs> yes we're sitting with a four year ohirogu goer <laughs> but i feel like maybe my life would have turned out a lot differently i would have been able like better, better prepared on how to handle certain things or maybe i wouldn't have been so sad over certain things for so long mm-hmm. you know it would have like helped me move on if i had gone through this ohirogu program but i think my daughter could benefit from that she's at a age where she's like 15 now and she's really uh emotional i think anybody at that age right 15 like preteen teenagers they're really uh their feelings are so amplified and i remember being that young and like thinking like i don't even want to be alive because i feel this way right like they're so they're so amplified and those teachings are so important you know what i love about our people i love how resilient we are and and where we came from and like you know what like boggles my mind and it just makes me think is like how they used to call us like savages you guys are so dirty and like they were they would speak down on indigenous people right like other mm-hmm. races that we were these really terrible people but we were we were such a beautiful nation of indigenous peoples all across this country just those ceremonies alone Yeah. Right? Like the teachings that are passed. There's even some native nations within Canada that the elders would take care of the the babies for like the first couple of years of their lives and they would pass down that knowledge, right? And and then you know the moms, the aunties weren't also just aunties, they were basically moms to yeah, to all moms. the children, right? Like second moms. And everybody plays a role within that community and you talk about the Oherdo how do you Oherdogu Oherdogu like you talk about that rite of passage to becoming you know a young man a young woman what are what are those passages for our young men today for our young women we have a lot of aboriginal gangs across across Canada and i feel like a warrior the warrior spirit is there but it's it's led in a really dark wrong direction because we're trying to figure out how do we get back to that that warrior what is a warrior how do you define that in today's terms it's an important question it because really you know is. what we used to do we used to protect and provide now we now we hurt and divide right not only ourselves but our families our communities we have five native gangs within my city right we have the highest population of inmates that are locked up across canada per capita as a race and i don't know if you guys know this or not but all of us natives in canada make up less than 5% of the population your reserve my reserve that reserve we make up less than 5% but we make up more than any other race combined that are locked up today that are in foster care right until we figure out who we are we're we're going to be lost if we keep drinking if we keep getting high 
We're not going to feel those feelings that we're supposed to feel. We're not going to grow. We're not going to become who we're supposed to be. So anybody out there listening, if you put that bottle down, if you pick yourself up, if you feel what you're supposed to feel, trust me when I say you're not going through it, you're, you're growing through it. Right? And a lot of people are going to be like, what does that mean? You're, you're supposed to feel how you feel. So grow through that pain, cry, feel, let it out. Those, those tears are healing in a sense, right? I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I like how it's you sharing a lot of the stuff because, you know, I'm, I'm a visitor here, right? Like I'm, I'm an outsider and this podcast doesn't have to say, it can be whatever you want it to say. Mm-hmm. I just like to give like my input of, of how I feel we can change things for the better. Not just for your people, but anybody that's listening, right? Because this isn't just information for this community. Yeah. Well, my my hope for from this podcast is any any males listening. Any males listening. Any okay. males listening for them to be encouraged to step into that warrior within and to really try to answer that question for themselves what it what it means to be a warrior in today's in today's world. And how they can fill their roles within their family systems in the best way that they can. I'm still learning how to be a man, if that makes sense. I've never had a man show me. Not even my own father was there to teach me how to do certain things. Right? I've had to learn from various men within my life. Even women have taught me how to be a man. And that might not make sense to some people, but you learn from your environment. And I was taught by you know, gang leaders drug dealers. I was taught by the, the worst of them. And I had a choice to make as a man, as a young man, which route I wanted to, to live by. Right. And I've been to jail. I've been to, you know, situations. I've been in situations where people could have died. And ultimately it's, it's my choice to, to not want that because the life I have today is a beautiful life and it's peaceful. I've been living my entire life in, in turmoil and constant worry, constant stress, thinking about how am I going to get this? What if this happens? What if these people come and do this type of thing? And I have five beautiful children, right? And I'm learning how to be a father. But one thing is for certain, I will always be there for them. Like I said, my daughter's 15. And the moment that she was born was. Something I can't express in, into words, but when I held this little person in my arms, it was like nothing else mattered. And I'm pretty sure every father feels this for their, their daughter or their son. But they would do anything to give them a better life than they've had. And some men don't realize how important it is to just be present within their lives, right? To just be there. Not even to talk sometimes, just to even listen. But I'm still learning. I don't, I don't know what it is to be a man yet. All I know is I have to be there. I have to be present for my kids. I have to lead by a good example. And what that means for me is to not drink, to not get high. Because if they can look at their father and say, you know, my dad doesn't need to do this to feel a certain way. He is who he is. That's, that's who he truly is. And, you know, just talking with my kids. A lot of men have a hard time talking, saying what's wrong. Right? My dad has a hard time even saying, I love you. I swear, man. Like, I'll say, see you later, dad. I love you. Yeah, yeah. See you later. And that to me is like, 
it just it proves to me that he doesn't love himself enough and a lot of men don't love themselves right and we need these men to to start start loving themselves makes me feel emotional you know because me and my dad's relationship right now is pretty rocky we haven't really talked too much since covid happened and uh he actually sent me a text not too long ago and he was basically you know guilt tripping me and saying like when I die, like, don't come to my funeral type of thing. And I'm like, holy man, like, you know, and showing her the text message. And wow, that sounds so similar to mine said I could die tomorrow and you wouldn't even care. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I do I care. You but in, I feel you in that sense. I care. You know, I, I care, dad, but I also care about myself. And I care about my well-being. And if you aren't wanting to change or be healthy, then... You know, it's not selfish for me to give my kids a better life. It sucks because my dad doesn't even know my kids. He sees my daughter. She's 15. And she's like, I saw your, your dad today, you know. And like, oh, did he say hi? And she's like, no, he didn't even recognize me. Like, you know, like. It's like, it's heartbreaking. I never knew my grandparents on either side. Now my daughter, you know, my mom passed away when I was 22. So she never got to know my mom. She doesn't know my dad. Right. And that's that's where this intergenerational effect style stuff comes in. And they say it's going to take a long time for that healing to begin. But for me as a man. To to start somewhere, a starting point would be to get sober, to, to stay sober. Right. Because you create more opportunities for yourself. And the more better and healthier your life becomes, the more it affects your children. Because I guarantee you, I don't know the situation between you and your father if he's sober or not. But if he was sober, I guarantee you, you guys would have a lot healthier relationship. He was like, he was like a superhero, a super dad when mm. he was on a good path. Mm. It was nothing that he couldn't do, wouldn't do for me as his daughter, as him as my dad. And to see like the challenges he's faced in the past 10 years, just of, of what I've been consciously aware of, you know, that's just the things that I've seen. But then there's a whole, 10 plus years of things that I didn't see that I don't, I don't know about, or maybe I've heard like some little stories here and there, bits and pieces, but maybe he'll never be able to like face those things, you know? So it's like, it's, it's really hard to, like, I want to be there. I want to hug my dad right now, you know? Like, I get so emotional talking about this stuff and, but it's like, it's like, what do we do? <laughs> really? What do we do? What do you want for your dad? I want him to live a, a sober, happy life. I want him to have both his his daughters happy in his life, playing, having a nice family, family time, quality time, a nice, happy, healthy house. How do you think he can get that? First step would be to get sober. It's hard. Any men out there listening right now, like I'm not gonna lie to you guys and be like, getting sober is so so easy. It's not. It's, it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, but it's also one of the most rewarding things that I've got. You get a sense of clarity when, when you start living a sober life. And once you get that clarity, you start to get motivation. And once you get that motivation, you start to fix your medicine wheel. And the more work you put into yourself, the more that you get out of your life, if that makes sense. So you can fix yourself, but you have to want it. You can't just rely on other people to fix your life for you because you're the only one that can choose and decide what you want for yourself. But trust me when I say there's people that are praying for you. There's people that love you. There's people that need you in their life. And we want you to 
to work the best that you possibly can towards making yourself better, not only for for you, but for your kids, for your family, for your friends, right? I think I, I think I learned how to be a little bit more of a man today. And, and I don't really talk too much about this stuff ever, really. And it makes me think about like my my family, my my past. And, you know, I've come a long way. I'm only, how old am I, 34? I don't even know how old I am anymore. I'm 34, right? And I, I don't like comparing myself to like other people, but I, I feel like I got a good head on my shoulders today as, as opposed to where I was or where I statistically should be, right? As an indigenous man. It's hard though, man. It's, it's hard to, to function some days. And I'm only like, running on one hour sleep today too so <laughs> legit hard to function all right you wanna close it off with uh with something nice it'd be cool to get opportunities to come back here and actually like speak to i don't know how many nations are around here because i've only been to ganawage yeah there's a lot of men there too <laughs> and ganasadage and those are like the three main closest communities and along with ganyanke and I'm glad we didn't make it about me because like normally when sometimes I go and do uh these kinds of things, people are always like, okay, share your story. Like I wanna I wanna know your story. Right? <laughs> yeah. I wanna I wanna hear about your people and, and what's going on over here. Yeah, well ultimately anything that I learn and any teachings that I, I gain and my experiences is ultimately to start walking them and implement them in my life but then also hoping that that has a ripple effect within my family right so that's also me leading the example for my parents by choosing to be sober and by not drinking or using drugs and and trying to stick to a a better path and way of life and hoping that i'll not only inspire my my family but my community and and other youth that see maybe themselves and similar like experiences that maybe we relate on or share or whatever i've also been in foster homes you know different different series of events you know have happened in my life and i don't really like to talk about them either but in certain opportunities like this you know where where it can it can really help somebody and also myself you know it's like healing to talk about this stuff and to be okay talking about it and not feel like ashamed or or weak talking about this stuff you know yeah, so I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come here today and uh, to speak with us and, and to give our listeners in Ganawage or near and far uh, something to something good to really think about and yes. listen to. Niamako, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for inviting me. You guys' territory is beautiful. The people here are amazing, welcoming. Uh, I hope to come back someday. If anybody ever wants me to come to their community, uh, you can find me either on Facebook under Mike Scott. I also have a website. It's called bookmikescott.com. It's very simple, very easy to remember. Uh, Other than that, I'm very grateful that we had this conversation today because it helped open my eyes to that role of a man. And I'm going to work harder now to be a better person, better friend, better friend better father and i just want to say thank you for allowing me to come here uh, inviting me being welcome the views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of your divas and its employees